All right, welcome back into the ref. It's the home of Sooner fans with Josh on Plank. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Tennessee saga coming up in about 10 minutes from now. Peyton Verholst will join us at 11 a.m. Did you? I didn't get to watch a lot of the Shrine game last night. Um, when I did, I, Walter Rouse looked like he was playing pretty well. I, I tuned in just in time to see Drake Stoops make a catch. I just on the on the NFL draft side of things, I don't I don't know, Josh, where we are as far as like Drake Stoops draft stock. I wish that he would have been able to go to the Senior Bowl, but is um, I mean, I, I, am I crazy in thinking that there is um, there is a chance that he could go by the by the fifth round? If you, if you're into seven round mock drafts, okay, which aren't really a thing, but um, let's see here, John Blair has him mocked in the sixth round to the New England Patriots. Am I really going to get too carried away by a mock draft <laughs> by some guy I've never heard of before? I don't know. But is that still stands, is that still a New England pick minus Bill Belichick? I don't know. I don't. I don't know because he's he's the you know next in line Wes Welker Edelman type. But uh, is he now? You know, I I don't. I don't know if that's necessarily the case, right? Um, they have a graph. I don't know. I don't know how much to put into this. This is from the NFL mock draft database.com. And the highest that Drake was ranked. Now remember mock drafts after the well, mock drafts are dumb to begin with, but mock drafts trying to project anything after like pick 10 in the first round of a crap shoot. So I don't know how you ever, and I do mean ever Josh take anything they say as the gospel beyond the first round. But the highest ranked I saw him was uh, 145th, which, again, you know, if you're a top 100 player, there's a really good chance that you're going to make you're going to make an NFL roster. And, you know, those top 100 picks, they're they're a big deal, man. They really, truly are. So I don't. I don't want to dump on that kind of projection at all, but at the very least, it uh, it sounds like Drake was able to make a little noise for himself at the Shrine Bowl this week. So uh, I was going back through some of the standouts, NFL.com, uh, because it was a little different, right? The timing of this is a little bit different. They had a list of some of their standouts. They, they didn't include Drake on any of the lists and maybe it's just because either a the the algorithm got me or or b i'm constantly searching for any drake stoops news but even though chad reuter didn't mention him uh in any of his his standouts it sounds as if it was a name that was brought up quite a bit right and that's to me that's good to hear and listen it doesn't hurt either that you were your most productive down the stretch of the season that you were reliable, and that you were a leader. 
You're a good student athlete, too. Helps out in these instances. I think he's faster than people realize. But musketfire.com. I don't know how much you want to put into that. That's a reliable Uh, news source. I mean, listen, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I need my latest draft news, I go to musketfire.com. Is it a West Virginia site? I don't don't think so. I think it's a draft site. What? But, yeah, they got all kinds of mock drafts and everything uh, of that nature. Good lesson in in branding, everyone. This is poor branding. Oh, it's it's a Patriot website it's the fan-sided patriot okay i I take it back that makes more sense now okay yeah i guess it does but um their headline story patriots may find their next julian edelman at this year's shrine bowl with kellen coleman saying drake stoops showed flashes at the east west shrine bowl practices there you go Oh, yeah, and, and he's a white wide receiver. So there's your other comparison to Julian Edelman. Right. Or our slight, Wes Welker or whomever else. Slight, undersized, white wide receiver, yes. <laughs> uh, so I, everything I heard seemed to be good. But now we'll, we'll go into combine, and then we'll go into pro days, individual workouts. Do you think that? Big 12 Pro Day that they had talked about will end up being a big deal or no? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating idea, but uh, maybe maybe because then you just sort of get uh, all of the top players in one spot at one time. It's it's a yeah. good made for television type event. I absolutely, think. but. Uh, you know, I, I do think there's like still me. there's still the desire for front offices to come to OU or to go to, and obviously, you know, OU's not a Big 12 school anymore, but to go to K-State or wherever and, and be on campus and sort of inside the walls, so to speak, to where they feel like they, they get to know these players maybe a little bit better than at a Big 12 showcase event. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, and I think it's smart, you know, to, to continue to say, hey, if you want to see more of us at this, you know, to for places like West Virginia, for places like, you know, maybe Cincinnati that don't have a major draft prospect this year, that might be a good thing. Or if there's a few guys that haven't necessarily done all that much historically but yet they feel like they've got a chance for the league, then that's what it – but I I think you're right. You want to be able to talk to the coaches. You want to see how they – and and I've been to – I don't know when the pro days are this year. I don't know if that's been set. But being of those pro days, those scouts like to talk to more than just, say, the player themselves, right? They like to talk to guys like us. They like to talk to all the coaches beyond just their position coaches. They want to know what their personality is like. So it's, I still think that need and that want will be there for a local pro day as well. But, but we'll see. The, I, I guess my point more than anything else is Drake still has more opportunities to showcase what he's about. That Big 12 collective pro day, it would become a big deal if, A, you get the biggest stars there, right? 
Right. And I think this would be the way to really make it special, and I don't know that you're going to make this happen, be that some of that group of biggest stars, that's their that's uh, their combine. They don't go to the combine. They do it there. Oh, good point. Like you got a quarterback, remember whenever Sam threw, or like a Geno Smith or someone like that. It's good. But it's good, uh, good um, luck convincing NFL teams that you're, you're going to do the Big 12 showcase event and not go to the NFL Combine. Right. <laughs> good point. Uh, from Drake Stoops to the future of the Oklahoma offensive line, as we welcome you into the Plank Show on a Friday, we're live at Riverwind Casino, uh, where, yes, there's some big-time concerts and events coming up. Scotty McCreary coming up on February 23rd. Doors will open at 7. Show starts at 8. Tickets uh, as low as 50 bucks. And Chelsea Handler just announced she'll be coming to the Riverwind on May 3rd. Josh, overall, this week we talked about Gavin Sawchuk, right? And he was one of the top 10 PFF graded. What Was it players or was it freshmen or was it running backs? It was players, right? Running backs. Running backs. Okay, good. All right. Want to make sure I didn't give him too much love. But we debated whether or not like he is he the future? Is he the guy now that we look at and say, "All right, heading into the SEC, you're the back." Well, a lot of that is going to be dictated and decided by how good your offensive line is. And if there is one thing you and I agree upon, Oklahoma completely remade its offensive line this off season. I mean, there is going to be what one returning starter next year, one, and he only started two or three games in Jacob Sexton. So you're rebuilding it now. One of the names that has joined most recently is Garen Hatchett. He is the offensive lineman out of Washington. We've gone through his stats. We've talked about his numbers. Uh, I reached out to some of my guys on the Joe Moore Award uh, voting list, uh, including Cole and Cole Kublik and Jeff Schwartz. Schwartz got back to me last night. And here's what he said. He said, I think he's okay. Much better run blocker than a pass protector. Needs some work to be SEC ready. Not the most positive, but by no means is that, hey, this guy's terrible. Uh, he He couldn't block my grandma. Yesterday, in the most recent episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Gabe and Teddy, Gabe had this to say after looking at the tape of Garen Hatchett with an interesting angle to it. Wait for it. Wait for it. All right, here we go. Agency. Like that a lot. Quick feet. Plays with his cleats in the ground. Also very positive. I think he's a better run blocker than he is a pass protector at this go. point in time. He oversets at times, uh, but shows the ability to recover when he does. I did... I did see several snaps against Oregon where he struggled with the size and the power that some of their interior guys have. And I think that has a little bit to do with, you know, he's playing offensive guard at 300 pounds. And when you're playing big, strong, heavy D linemen, it's just really hard to hold up down in and down out at that weight. He needs to gain some weight. Uh, I know that'll be the first thing that Beatonbow probably tells him. You got to be 310, 315 to play mm-hmm. for Bill. And I think that will help him handle some of those larger guys a little better. 
He looks like a solid athlete uh, from the games I watched. Got on, got out on a couple of screens. Looked really nice in space. They did some pin pull stuff with their guards at Washington. Got out, looked really nice pulling in space. And when I saw him move in space like that, Ted, it made me think this guy, this guy has the athleticism. He's got the size to play center. So that, in my mind, just watching him briefly, I think that may be his best position. Clearly, you got to be able to consistently snap the football and process everything mentally, but I, I think he's got the physical capabilities. In the run game, good grip strength, uh, good hand placement, finishes blocks really well. Now, I think he'll get more movement initially at the point of attack if he could have a little more weight and a little more strength, but... He does do a really nice job of finishing once he's engaged, uh, really strains, which I know that uh, OU staff is a big fan of. And then the last note I have is didn't have to wear knee braces at Washington. That's going to suck for him. (laughs) Yes, it will. So, (laughs) because you're going to wear knee braces at OU. I'm intrigued by the center conversation there. Um Gabe said, "I because I reached out to him, said that he he can snap, he can snap. So, do you take him then, Josh? Maybe if that athletic prowess is what it appears to be, and we've just always kind of assumed Troy Everett's going to be the center next year. Do you maybe look at this as a little bit of a of a bigger option there, and maybe there is a chance that." Hatchet, I think you and I both want to see Bates develop and be that guy, but it looks like it might take him a little bit more time. Bates was the freshman out of Colorado who had been a lifelong center. But at the very least with Hatchet, I mean, it's it sounds like he might be a guy that could factor in in the center conversation too. Yeah, I think that's fantastic news. I wondered if uh, that would be a possibility for him or Tarkin or, or Wee if any of those guys had transferable skills to center just because of what's going on there and you'd like some more options and some stability and uh if the answer is yes on hatchet that maybe he could wind up as a legitimate option there at center and perhaps your starter then uh okay now you've got somebody that's played a lot of college football that uh as gabe eloquently put right there is a big time run blocker and you got Weewoo mm-hmm. inside, and then, okay, is it Tarkin? Is it one of these younger guys for you that develops into taking the other guard spot? You went, you got Brown at a tackle. You got Sexton that is developing into uh, one of your starting tackles. Now, all of, us, all of a sudden, you're in a pretty good, pretty good spot. Right. A really good spot. So there's a little bit more intel on Garen Hatchett. Do with that what you want, but maybe – Maybe when we go out for the spring game, one of those starting offensive lines or one of those lines has Hatchet as a center. And like you said, Josh, if he's not going to be a guard, say Wee Woo's on that one side, Jake Taylor's worked to tackle. So I, I, I don't, I mean, you play every position, right? But is that a spot where. One of those other guard spots. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know if Troy. If you're listening, there's no offense, man. I don't know if Troy Everett's a guard in the SEC. Like I like him, 
I think he's got a chance at center, but he's just not big enough. Um, Hatchet at least feels like he has a frame that he can get bigger. Like if, we, if we rolled out there and Troy Everett was starting at guard, I'd be really concerned, Josh. I'd be like, oh, boy. But I don't think he will be. I, th- I think one of these freshmen has a chance to step up and be a difference maker for him. We'll find out. We'll find out. Um, oh, wow, it's 10-19. Okay. You promised me, Josh. You promised me a segment. So can I have my Tennessee segment here? I hope that you will. Let's fire away. Right. Okay. I, in fact, look at this. Look at my man Nick teeing me up. He writes on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I've been under a rock apparently the past couple of days. What's going on with Tennessee? <laughs> well, my friend, you hang up. All right, hang up. You hang around. I got you covered next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into The Ref. This is the home of Sooner fans. We're on the road today at a Riverwind Casino where you need to get your Riverwind Casino rewards card because they have the 60K Cupid's Mad Dash for cash drawings on Saturday, February 10th, and the 24th grand prize? Well, $500 in cash plus any unclaimed cash and $1,000 in bonus play. Check it out at riverwindcasino.com. Okay, let's, let's get nerdy on the Tennessee story. Little context here. Let's remember Tennessee. I think Hoove said the ink wasn't even dry on like the release, which is pretty pretty true. Tennessee's been in trouble for the whole Jeremy Pruitt story, right? Remember what was it? Uh, McDonald bags of cash, and we found that they were Chick Fil A bags or whatever. And Jeremy Pruitt got dinged, but and Tennessee got dinged. Well, the NCAA really did do Tennessee a solid whenever. They threw those, um, Allen and not allegations, but all of those um, different violations at Tennessee. Because what were they able to do, Josh? They were able to fire Jeremy Pruitt for cause. So, in a lot of ways, Tennessee had a really big solid in the NCAA leveling Pruitt. And to a degree, some of the program issues, because it allowed them to get out of that huge buyout for Jeremy Pruitt. They fired him with cause. Fast forward three years later, and I think, Josh, do we all agree the NCAA botched how they handled NIL right out of the gate? We agree, right? Yes, if the intention was to put a framework in place that simplified this for administrators and colleges, then they botched it. If the intent was to just say, all right, you guys got what you wanted, see you later, then mission accomplished. <laughs> right, <laughs> which is kind of funny. So Tennessee has been kind of under the microscope. Let's just be honest, right? And now, the we we assume it's involving the Nico's recruitment. We don't even really truly know what the exact violation of NIL rules is, Josh. I mean, that's at the core of this. The president, 
sends a tersely worded letter that we talked about on Tuesday's, Wednesday's show, firing back of the NCAA, saying, how how dare you? This is both illegal and this is not the whole purpose of what your enforcement supposed to be doing. Uh, their athletic director, Danny White, came out with a statement that basically, <laughs> I mean, I, I could have really shortened that statement up for Danny White because basically Danny White's statement said, well, everyone's doing it. Why are you picking on us? But again, we don't know the true nature of why the NCAA, right? We know it's NIL related. Some have speculated it's because of private plane trips, things of that nature. I mean, the only rule the NCAA had whenever NIL came out is that it wasn't supposed to be used for inducement or enticement. But we all know that's exactly what it was going to be used for. So here's Tennessee, who's already been in trouble pre-NIL, right? And now this is a big deal because this is a second violation for Tennessee while they're on probation, which would mean heavy, heavy penalties from the NCAA. But what's one thing we have learned? If you go back to the Supreme Court case that the NCAA lost that opened up, NIL and opened up these opportunities to pay student athletes. What did the Supreme Court basically say? The Supreme Court told the NCAA, none of your rules are going to hold up in court. None of these attempts at carrying out your rules, if if it ends up going to court, you're going to lose. So here's the NCAA that's left a little bit powerless. But in the same vein, Josh, what are the member institutions telling the NCAA? you got to get a handle on this. you got to help us out. It, it appears as if we're not going to get any help from the government. It appears we're not going to get some of the issues resolved that we thought. So you've got to do something here, NCAA. you got to. You know, all these coaches that I call out, Josh, whenever they go to these press conferences before bowl games, and they're like, my guys have like $200,000 offers, and I don't really know what to do. Well, maybe in this instance, while these guys aren't saying it publicly, they're going to the NCAA. In turn, the problem for the NCAA, Josh, is if they fight a ten, you know, Tennessee's, we can debate a blue blood, but Tennessee's a very powerful program. If their fights that they're picking are with Tennessee and Florida State and Florida and they're constantly being dragged into court, that's going to really put their future very much in peril. I mean, in other words, you want to have the big boys on your side because you want to show, hey, we're out here fighting for making it fair for everyone, but here's Tennessee that's saying, well, you seem to be picking on us, so we're going to fight you tooth and nail. Now, here's one side of it where I would say for the NCAA, you haven't had a lot of other people like the Alabamas, the Oklahomas, the USC's, or any, I'm just using these as examples that have stood up and said, we think this is wrong what's happening to Tennessee, right? So <laughs> this might be Tennessee essentially trying to bring down the NCAA, and they're acting a little bit lone wolf, but they're going to win probably in the end. So this is a huge deal because while it might seem like minor NIL infractions to all of us now, and in a world where what we view as NIL payments and and bidding for these players kind of out of control, 
Josh, this would be a major, major penalty for Tennessee. This is a level one violation. This is the type of stuff that cripples programs for a while. You can't buy your way out of these. And if the NCAA is still going to be in power and if Tennessee ends up losing this, they realize it's really going to hurt their program. But if Tennessee goes to court, fights and battles and wins, I mean, what good? why would the NCAA ever be able to dole out any punishments at all because they know if you go to court, you're going to lose? Right. It would set that precedent, and basically they would never want to be the judge and jury ever again, maybe. Ever. So there's. I hope that lays out the good foundation of what we're dealing with here. There's the structure, right? Tennessee's a repeat violator. They're claiming you're trying to retroactively apply rules to us, and it's not legal and it's not fair, it's not right, and oh, by the way, in a roundabout way, everyone else is doing it too. Here's what Brent Hubbs, who covers Tennessee for, I believe it's the On3 site, said about the fight that Tennessee is currently in, and if it'll involve more than Tennessee as it is the response of Tennessee. Yeah, I think that is going to be fascinating. Is, is Dondi Plowman on an island by herself in the NIL world, or do people jump on the island with her and, and kind of follow that lead point? I've had someone tell me today that there's somewhere between 12 and 20 schools, or 12 and 20 collectives, I should say, that the NCAA has been looking hard at over the course of the last year or so because of um, – you know, they have concerns about how things are done. They wonder how some of these things are done. Uh, some of those collectives are pretty loud, pretty vocal, and, and they've been looking into those, you know, into those situations. And, and we'll see if anything else comes of it at other schools, um, and we'll obviously see what the NCAA's next move is. I think from a news standpoint, from a hard, concrete news point, you know where Tennessee stands as of this evening. It's very clear. So the question now becomes, where does the NCAA go next with a continuing on investigation? Do they have enough that they're ready for a letter of allegations? Does that come next? I think the NCAA's response is the next news cycle. I think there'll be some talk, some rhetoric, some posturing, but I think the next hard news thing in this case or in this story is when does a letter of allegations come from the NCAA back to the University of Tennessee? So you've had the notice... Now we wait for the letter, and I would imagine, you know, I I don't know if Charlie Baker is involved in this or not, Josh, but you would have to imagine there's a very, very deep conversation that's going on between those, and again, like I said, dog the NCAA all you want, man. Make fun of them. It's fine. They've, They've earned it and deserve it. But in this instance, they've got a really, really big choice to make, right? Do you say, let's go. All right, come on, Tennessee, bring it on. We'll take that risk that we'll lose in court, but we're going to try to prove that we can be the enforcement arm and this is so egregious, something needs to be done. Or do they step back and say, it ain't worth it, forget it. And as the, uh, the Tennessee guy just said, it's not just you versus Tennessee. You hear from other member institutions that say, hey, yeah, this ain't worth it. This ain't worth it. This ain't going to work. Because if, if Tennessee's on an island by themselves, then we got ourselves a heck of a court battle that's coming up. 
But if there's others that, like I said, have their back, Josh, then this might be over before it even started for these allegations against Tennessee. Welcome to my TED Talk. So we're waiting for the next domino to fall from the NCAA. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yardbird Richard writes, The Supreme Court ruling was based on current laws. To end the insanity, the U.S. Congress needs to pass legislation, but the current efforts are being blocked by elected leaders on the left. What's the line from Major League? Oh, come on, Dorn. We're not trying to start a holy war in here. Yardbird Richard, we don't need to be starting a political war here. But it's fair to say your point your point is on that basically where they've turned to Congress, where they've turned to Washington to help them out, basically they've said, can't do anything. And even if, remember going back a couple weeks ago, talking about, and I'm telling you guys, this is not the most exciting conversation we can ever have when we get into these hearings in front of Congress. They're dull, they're boring, and it's a lot of political grandstanding. Truly is. But one of the Congress women came out and said, you know, even if, even if we all agreed in this room and said, yes, let's do something, we're so split right now, this thing would be debated and battled and would never pass. So that's why I look right now at this, Josh, and I say, I think this is the moment. I think this is this is Tombstone, baby. This is Doc Holliday staring down the bad guy. And you got to decide whether or not you're going to draw. Because if you do on, if Tennessee's drawn, hell, they fire, dude. <laughs> They're like, we're coming after you. And now the NCAA has to decide, all right, how, how big are we going to go here? Go big or go home, isn't that what the kids used to say all the time? Bro, that's where we are. That's where we are. Walter White. Tennessee is going to be fine. Okay, very good, 5808. Very good. I mean, this isn't – I feel like so many times, right? I, 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 I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go too much more in depth. I want to get your guys' reaction to it on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. But I just – I think this is fascinating. And I think that it's, it's a bigger deal than anything with sign-stealing – are hacking catapult. Uh, now, those are legal issues, and Jim Harbaugh has moved on, so Michigan might have to pay the penalties for that. But this, this to me, is about the foundation and the structure of what the governing body is going to look like for college sports for a long time. And will there be any legitimate punishments that hold up for recruiting inducements if that uh... – is what is proven to have been done here. I mean, basically, right? I mean, will there be any policeman of name, image, likeness? Because if Tennessee wins, then probably not. Now, Tennessee's, of course, making the argument that nothing, nothing foul has occurred. 
necessarily know if they're saying that, Josh. <laughs> I kind of think they're saying they're trying. <laughs> There's a part of me that almost. Well, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're right. You're right. They're saying nothing foul occurred based on the current makeup of the rules. You're absolutely 100% and, right. I'm sorry. And, and right. with Nico Iamaleava, I mean, basically, well they've said, no, this was done uh, done by the book, according to existing NCAA NIL guidelines. That's and, right. And the laws of the state of California. So <laughs> they're going to fight that portion of it. Quick break. Good text, man. You guys make me feel a little bit better whenever I have a topic like this that I debate in my head. It's like, do you know, 10-minute segment, never hurt anyone on something like this. But I also feel like there's a lot of grandstanding people that's going to go on between now and then. And who's going to win the room? This could be a – I mean, what – we don't know what all the NCAA has on Tennessee, but what if we do find out that the NCAA's evidence includes multiple counts of persuading guys into the portal and actively shopping other rosters? I mean, what what if that's at the core of this, and it's more than just, hey, they had Nico on a, a private jet? I mean, we don't know. All right, quick break. Sorry. Thanks, guys. Thanks for letting me get that out. It's Plank Show at Riverwind Casino on a Friday right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the home of Sooner fans. We are The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank, and we are spending our Friday here at Riverwind Casino. Really good stuff on the text line. I think I meant to say Josh bring us back, so I apologize. My bad. Do you know what I'm going to check out after the show's done? And I never even real if Justin, if you're listening, I can't believe I never even realized this. I didn't know that there was upstairs gaming here. <laughs> I had no idea. I looked over. I'm like, is that person floating up against the wall? And then I realized, like, oh, there's an escalator there. I just thought it went to the hotel. It does, but I guess there's upstairs gaming too. People, let's go. Poker room, dude. I love thinking i'm good at poker knowing i'm not but every after every friday show that i do here i go take a little walk through the poker room just so cool so well laid out so fun to watch and i'm so terrible at it but get out here to riverwind on a friday it's a gorgeous day to the knippelmeyer chevrolet text line on our tennessee conversation tyler from kellyville writes give tennessee the death penalty well I'll tell you what, if this is a second violation while you're on probation, which is the accusation that's out there now, I don't think we'll ever see a death penalty. But, Josh, that sounds like something that could lead to postseason bans, right, and reductions in scholarships. Yeah, loss of scholarships, which uh, theoretically is is big unless, of course – I don't know. You get right back into the NIL game and <laughs> basically make up a scholarship through name, image, likeness. 5808. On a scale of 1 to 10, how scared is Missouri about this Tennessee thing? It's, it's crazy because none of the rules and laws connect. 
certain states have some rules, like Missouri and California. Um, other states have different rules, Virginia and Ohio. And then you have a governing body that's trying to bring it all together in the NCAA that basically didn't really want to be involved in it when it first became a thing. So, I mean, it, my biggest complaint about driving around St. Louis, my hometown, is sometimes streets will just end. And you're like, who designed this? So you either turn, it's like, I, I want to go straight. I want to go right there, but you've got to go around. Tulsa's kind of like this in a few areas downtown, too. Now, what am I talking about? Norman's kind of like that. But I would say, Josh, I would say that there was not a lot of good construction going on whenever it came to building the NIL plan across the board from the places that can pay kids in high school to the places at camp. Must stay in Casey. And if I'm Missouri, you bring that up, Missouri's one of those states that has the law where they can probably hide behind it a little bit. Isn't membership in the NCAA voluntary? Yes. I don't see why they aren't allowed to enforce their rules as long as the member institutions agree to the rules and the student-athletes aren't required to attend those institutions. So wouldn't attendance imply acceptance of the rules ding 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 and i know the fight is always they're only enforcing the rules that everyone agreed upon but i feel like at the very least josh in this instance there's a lot of gray area when it comes to the nil rules i guess right but uh, i mean wasn't it pretty clear from day one that no enticement yeah so if there's any if that can be proven that there was, then technically I think they can drop the hammer on you. We just haven't seen the NCAA do that yet. And the idea is not even just from, from you and I, but just sort of naturally is, ah, eh, NCAA, they've got no teeth. They've got no power because right. they haven't shown that they have that. But theoretically, they've got it written in stone where mm-hmm. you, you can't pay a player to come to your school. I got two other texts I want to get to, but I want to give them some time. So let's get a break. We're at Riverwind on a Friday. It's a plank show. Uh, we spent a lot of this uh, hour talking about the Tennessee story and the importance of it. We're reading your reaction. Peyton Verholst coming up in 10 minutes right here on The Ref. All right, a busy 11 o'clock hour coming up. We're live at Riverwind on a Friday. Peyton Verholst is going to join us. OU Sooner women's basketball player. I, I keep wanting to say a position, but I feel like she plays about everywhere. So Peyton's coming up here next. There were two texts that I wanted to get to here real quick, Josh, and they both they both bring up points that, I mean, listen, we could probably spend the whole show debating and discussing. Guy from Parts Unknown writes, look, guys, I don't like the NCAA sometimes. I can't stand Roger Goodell either, but there has to be a governing body, and there has to be rules. I mean, he's right. I mean, this isn't NOM. Over the line. Market zero. But, and that's always been kind of my joke, is when people are like, it's like the wild, wild west out there. I'm like, well, even the wild, wild west had lawmen. I mean, I mean the outlaws just didn't run the whole thing. Like, Wyatt Earp, he took care of business. There's got to be a regulating body, Josh, in some way, shape, or form. What that looks like will be up for debate. 
And then Santa John, he writes, I'm having trouble reconciling asking for a player's commitment and loyalty than processing them out of the program when they give you what you're asking for. Well, I mean, that's that's the, uh, what, Josh, unintended consequences of this, I guess? Of paying players? Yeah. You're going to get processed if you're not any good. I mean, they, there was a time when you couldn't cut guys. Right now, you could minimize their scholarship and things of that nature, at least try to, but you you just couldn't go out and be like, you're out, unless they broke the rules. I understand that. I mean, it's – but, man, that's that's definitely not going anywhere. Yeah, that's – And sometimes – That's one of the oh, other was... new things in college sports, right? And uh, with things changing, I guess that's changed too. I tend to agree with that text. Yeah. It, it makes me feel a little uncomfortable, too. It, it flies counter to what college football or college basketball, you name it, is on paper, right? Initially, what we knew, what it's supposed to be about. But that's where we're at. Yeah, that's where we're at, man. Good good points, man. Good points. Good points, men. Good way to wrap the show an hour or two. Um, I appreciate you guys letting me get my Tennessee rant off. It was and still is a fascinating story to me. But we're two hours deep, and we haven't talked about basketball. OU women on the road in Stillwater. Oklahoma men on the road against UCF. We'll talk about the Sooners and the Cowgirls with Peyton Verholtz next, live from Riverwind.